There's only one person in the world that there's no one faster than that person. And there's one person in the world that there's no one slower than that person. And everyone else has got someone faster and someone slower. So if you're talking about a race, the only reason why you're the fastest or the slowest on that day is because the other people didn't show up. That was Sean Clark, and this is Episode 5 of the Inspired Souls Podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a roadrunner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Today, we're talking with Sean Clark, who I've had the pleasure of coaching since November of 2019. In the roughly seven months prior to us meeting, Sean had shed a whopping 135 pounds by experimenting with his diet and walking his new shepherd husky named Friday. It didn't take long before walks weren't enough for Friday, and Sean was forced to take up running for the first time in his mid-40s. He got hooked right out of the gates and started setting PRs almost every time he lined up to race. Despite being a runner for only two years, Sean has improved his 5K from just over 27 minutes in the spring of 2019 to 20 minutes and 51 seconds just one year later in the spring of 2020. Despite a challenging year of race cancellations, Sean has managed to turn every disappointment into an opportunity to become an even more well-rounded athlete. It's been so incredible to watch Sean transform right before my very eyes, and I challenge you to not be inspired by his story. And now let's get into our conversation with Sean Clark. Hi, Sean. Thanks for joining us on the Inspired Souls podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we just wanted to have a little chat today about your running and about you. So maybe you could start off just by telling us a little bit about yourself, your background in running, how you got into it, how old you are. Sure. Uh, So I'm... 47 years old. I got into running uh, in 2018, fall of 2018. Uh, sort of not by choice. Uh, we adopted a dog. Her name's Friday. Um, she's a shepherd husky mix. And so uh, really, you know, once we got her, I started taking her out for walks and realized that walks weren't really cutting it, that she needed more. And so I started, I started jogging. Again, I was never very athletic, whatnot. So uh, that was sort of a slow process. But that was the genesis of Sean becoming a runner. I love that. I can never get enough of that story because you're such a good dog owner. <laughs> like you, you got into running because of your dog, because your dog was just not not uh, having it with the walking, right? It just wasn't enough for her. And so you, you dabbled into running. And I think that that's so cool because I'm always telling people that are having trouble getting themselves out and exercising is like get a dog dog. you have no excuse looking into those eyes right right yeah yeah Yeah. a little bit of a guilt the the and just yeah just realizing that she needed more and then it was a good fit because she wasn't very good on a leash so that was that was a challenge running and especially because we got her in uh, late September and then going into the fall, you know, getting to some slippery stuff. So learning to run with her was uh, a bit of a challenge. But even that, just uh, as we both were able to start running further and further, uh, it was a pretty good sense of accomplishment, right? Because, I, again, I had never in my life, I never enjoyed running, honestly, to, to be completely honest. It, it wasn't something that I aspired to do. I, I was envious of people that could do it. I 
couldn't imagine, you know, thinking of someone that could run a kilometer was like crazy, you know, and here I was a, a couple of times after I would, I would run with my dog and realize, oh my gosh, I, uh, I ran two kilometers today or three kilometers and, you know, just, and, and like I say, that was, that was the beginning of me becoming a runner. And this was back in, in the spring of 2018. Is that right? No, uh, the uh, fall of 2018. We, we adopted her right about this time, I guess. Uh, uh, so I guess about two years ago. Wow. And then t- talk to us a little bit about how it evolved from there. Like when did you sort of start to get the idea that you wanted to try a race? When I started this, uh, I had a buddy that was uh, running. He's doing some treadmill running as at the Y at the time. And, and so he had this just arbitrary target. He was talking about being able to run a 5K in 25 minutes. And so me, again, no context of what's fast, what's not. I just, I thought, I'm going to try and keep up with him. And so I, I was doing, you know, some treadmill running and, of course, running uh, running with Friday. And just every time I, I got out, I was trying to run faster and longer. And and my my distance was getting up pretty good. You know, by December, I was able to, uh, I'll say, comfortably run a jog 5K. Not very fast, but I could, you know, I could, I could maintain it. But at that point, I sort of, I hurt myself. I think I was just, again, the... Every time I, I ran, it was, I'll try and go a little bit faster. I'll try and go a, bit, a little bit longer. Every time you ran. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, so I'd get on the, tra- you know, especially if I was on the treadmill, it'd be like, okay, I'll just go one notch higher, maybe. Or I would like, okay, I'll tag on another minute because I wanted to run faster and longer. I'll just, every time I'm, you know, because I'm thinking to myself, air quotes, uh, building endurance, right? And so I, I sort of hurt myself in the in December, and basically, I at, at that point I could barely even take my dog for a walk, and so I started, you know, jump onto the computer and start googling running, right, and then and then realized, hey, my philosophy for running is completely wrong. That going faster and longer every single time was not giving my body proper way to recover. That like I was just that ultimately I was pushing mm-hmm. too hard too fast, mm-hmm. and so of course all of that uh, that sort of led me to okay well where can I learn to run uh, and how can how can I learn this and found running room and I guess that was going into I think February it was February or March of I guess 2019 and because I could all already run uh, 5K or a little more than 5K I I signed up for uh, their 10k run club. I think at that point, then my goal race was uh, sometime in May, and I think they were targeting the uh, run for women. And eventually, I actually ended up being my goal race was uh, the 10k in Fargo, which ended up being like the the week after the the women's run. Okay, so you that gives us a little entry way into your <laughs> into how you got into running. Um, what I would love, I just happen to know something about you that you've left out of this story, which is you started running. So I guess it was May, March of 2018. And between March and that same fall, so maybe in six months, didn't you lose a, a pile of weight when you started walking? Yeah. So, so in, yeah, I guess in March of 2018, I was 
290 pounds. And by, I guess, October-ish, I'd lost a good chunk. I think I was down... Uh, 110 pounds wow. by by then. I think I was down into the one 180s. I think, and that's sort of when I picked up the running. Right, like I had lost a ton of weight. So I guess I guess my heart was in good condition from lugging all, around all that weight. So wow, I I just still cannot that that story blows my mind. So in six months you lost 110 pounds. Then you pick up running, and did, have you shed more weight? Yeah, so right now I'm hovering around 160 pounds. I try to keep under that. So sort of when I'm at what I would call my race weight, I'd be about 155. So all said and done, I'm about 130, maybe 135 pounds down from what I was two and a half years ago. You've lost an entire person. I've lost an entire person, yeah. What has changed about your lifestyle that has allowed you to sustain that now in the last two years? Do you attribute the maintenance of your weight now to running or is it a combination of diet and like what factors were involved there? I would have to say the bulk of it is for sure diet. Before I thought of losing weight, I didn't consider how much I was eating at all, right? Didn't have any desire to pay attention to it. I would just eat whatever I want in whatever quantity I wanted. And when I finally got my head in the right place, it was, okay, so what am I sort of consuming? And what should I, you know, how much should I be consuming? And realized, you know, I was way overdoing it. And so I, you know, have an app on my on my phone, and I started plugging in what I was eating. I jumped on to a, essentially, I was doing a keto diet. I was actually almost a carnivore diet, I have to say. I was eating basically fat and protein, but lots of protein, and just watching how many calories, a, a fairly big calorie restriction. I have to say, I would not recommend necessarily that someone would follow my diet choices in the in those early months. Again, some of that stuff I was doing not necessarily fully informed of that it wasn't necessarily the healthiest, you know, and I I was in that sort of struggle of wanting to lose the weight because being so grossly overweight was very bad health wise that that was sort of my first concern. So that's how I started. And then as time went on uh, and I lost that chunk of weight, I then sort of reevaluated my, my diet and came to what I, I believe now is sort of a more balanced type of diet. Like I started eating carbs and sort of a more balanced mixture of carbs, fats, and protein. Started eating a little more nutritious, but even at that point, eating really well, I don't think I really started until a little later in my in my running career, sort of once, uh, like quite honestly, until about this year is when I started focusing a lot more on nourishing my body to be able to do the That's running. exactly what I was going to ask you next is, you know, how did your diet evolve as you started running more? I, I know you, you've ran some longer races and longer distances. So yeah, the body tends to ask for certain things when you're asking it to perform like that. Yeah, and that and honestly, that is something that I'm continually trying to, to learn and respond to as I because uh, I don't have a lot of racing experience. I've ran a couple of longer runs and nothing really more than a half marathon. I've done some longer runs as sort of long, slow distance runs in, in my training, but uh, nothing that really pushed me all that hard. And so learning the nutrition part is still 
still something that is sort of new to me. Well, I think that's really important to highlight about what you just said there is that, yes, sure, you could look back and go, okay, maybe that wasn't the greatest approach or the healthiest approach. But the point is you did something. So many people read a book and then another book and then, oh, they get a completely opposing view on something and then they go back to the drawing board and they never really start taking action on anything. And so I think you're probably better off having dabbled in keto or carnivore or whatever you did at the start, learn yep. what you can from that, pivot, adjust, adapt, you know, okay, add back in the carbs, whatever you needed to do to land at, you know, what your body is asking for at this point, right? And so maybe yep. what got you here won't necessarily get you to the next point. And, and I think being willing to constantly tune in and listen and pivot is so important. So I just want to, I mean, I, I almost heard like a hint of judgment in your voice, like maybe that wasn't the best thing, but I really want to honor that you actually did something. That's exactly it. And some of this comes from me being a computer guy and kind of analytical. I'm also really open to trying something, try and fail. It's the only way. It's like course correction, right? It's you try something, you learn from a mistake, or I don't even want to call them mistakes, right? They're just, you, you learn from your experience and you adjust as required. And, you know, there there's good and bad to any approach you take, right? And it's just a matter of finding things that work and things that don't and adjusting. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So here we are in spring of 2018, I guess, and you're in this 10K clinic at the running room, correct? Yeah, yeah spring, spring of 2019. 2019, right. Yeah. yeah. So, you're, so did, did you do a 10K then? You said you went to Fargo to do a 10K. I started the training in February. And so we started running. Uh, at that point, I had never ran any race. And I still, I had once or twice hit 10K on a... Um, on, on a run, like, you know, on the treadmill sort of thing, but it, it wasn't very good. And, it, you know, it was like, I think I made the distance, but it, it wasn't pretty. As I trained, my, my coach at the time, she, uh, she thought that I might benefit from doing a, a quick race just to get a sense of what a race is like, because I was thinking ahead to my, my race in Fargo and what to expect. It was, oh, well, let's let's run this uh, little 5K race here in Winnipeg. And you get a sense of what it's like and it just go in no expectation. So that was my very first experience. And I did okay on that one. I have a note here that I, I ran that one in a little over 27 minutes. Oh, that's that's a little bit more than okay for your first 5K. That's amazing. And again, it's like having no real context. Some people would say it, it's fast and some people might say it's slow. Of course, I, I was still thinking to my buddy that was targeting the 25 minute. I'm like, oh, that's still... That's still so far away, but that race was a real eye-opener for me in terms of pacing because my coach that I was running with, she always said that I was faster than her just uh, naturally. Um, we got to about the 3K mark and she's like, okay, you got to go. Like She's like, I, I can't keep up with you. And so I apparently took off like a shot. I ran for 60 seconds and then realized I was almost done at that point because I didn't I didn't realize how fast I was actually running until until I looked back at my watch after the race for for me I was at some insane pace that I maintained for 60 seconds and then I 
sort of struggle to get to the end of the race, you know, so I ran. That's very typical, by the way. (laughs) And it was just so eye-opening of how you you get caught up in the excitement and just not really paying attention and not being able to run by feel, that sort of thing. Like I just, I crossed the finish line and she ended up being basically right behind me. So I opened up this big distance between us. But by the end, because my pace then dropped way off below what she and I were running before, she caught right up behind me, right? So she had a bit of racing experience on you. She'd paced herself a bit better. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 She, uh, she's a seasoned runner. And so she, uh, you know, and that was her way of essentially, you know, being the mama bird kind of like kicked me out of the nest and the, like, this is your learning experience. Yeah. Right. And it was like, because, and we had gone into it saying like, I, I didn't know how to pace myself and it was like, okay, so this is a consequent and not pacing. So is again, a brilliant sort of learning experience for me. Yeah. And I always say that there are certain things, certain lessons that you can't really learn until you've made a mistake yourself in running. And that's totally one of them right there. You were almost lucky in a way now looking back probably to have made that experience or made that mistake on the very first race that you ever did. Well, and not your goal race, right? Like, And I think that's why she set it up that way, because I probably would have went into that, uh, that first 10k and, and probably done the same thing and just come out really disappointed. You had a good coach. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, she was great. Well, and, and some of us have to make the mistake multiple times before we truly, truly learn it. So I'm curious as to, like, could you take the lessons from that race in pacing and apply them to your, your Fargo race or whatever, any other 10K that you did? I think you did a tune-up before Fargo, didn't you, in a 10K? Yeah, so the uh, the week before my my Fargo race, there was that run for women, and the other people that there's a couple of other people that I was training for the 10k, and so they were running that as their as their goal race, and again I was running a little faster than uh, than they were, so I sort of went out and coached the the one girl I was. Uh, training with to hit her goal time. I, I can't remember what it was off, off the top of my head, but I think she wanted to run it in something like 54 minutes or or something like that. And I was like, okay, I think like I can, I can hit that. Okay. Maybe it was, sorry. I think it was actually 58 minutes because it was, it was significantly slower than what I was aiming. My, my goal was to hit, uh, run the 10 K in 50 minutes is sort of what I was training towards. So I went out on that run and coached, you know, I want to say I coached her through that. Not that I'm a, you know, obviously a seasoned runner or anything like that, but I helped her to sort of hit her pace and we got her across the finish line right at about the time that she wanted. So she was happy and I was happy that I could also kind of maintain a pace. You know, I was paying a little more attention to to what I was doing. And then uh, for my goal race, I went out and tried to do, or I I went in expecting to do a uh, negative split. So um, again, sort of targeting a uh, 50 minute finish time. I went out running a, a 505 kilometer uh and the first half and uh thought that I could drop that down uh a little bit faster and then come in at my 50 minutes and uh just the way things work I got to the half halfway point and I just sort of knew I was like I I think I can hold on to this pace the 505 but I couldn't 
I couldn't drop below the five minute to to hit my ultimate target. Um, and so I ended up uh, continuing the run, and I did finish in a 50 minutes, 51 seconds. Wow. Um, you had done a 27-minute 5K, which would equate to more like a 55, 56-minute 10K, and then you do like a 50-minute 10K. <laughs> That's amazing. I know. It wasn't until just recently that uh, I, I found this Macmillan running calculator that I, that I now use to try to predict what my race time, you know, and a lot of these things I was just picking numbers out of the air. I had said I was going to run the 10K in 45 minutes. And it wasn't until I actually started running in that 10K clinic that I realized what sort of pace that was and realized, okay, like that was just undoable for me at, at that time. But I want to go back to what I said before. Like the point was you were out there, you were doing it. Like maybe you didn't have the knowledge base to, to really pick a realistic goal or whatever it was, but you were out there, you were doing it, you were getting the feedback, you were showing up week after week, like that's amazing. And training works. Like you, you kind of started to see that, Hey, if I put a little bit of effort in and, and structure my training or go to the clinic or whatever, uh, wow, I can take minutes off my 10 K. This is pretty fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like when I look at, uh, the old, uh, you know, training schedule that I had, and I remember looking at my, my tempo run, you know, on a Thursday and I was like, I have to run three kilometers at this pace. How can I? Or it was like eight, running eight minutes at this pace. It's, it, it just, it boggled my mind. I'm like, even though I committed to that training, I just, I thought, how is that even going to be possible? And, and sure enough, it is. It, it's totally possible. It's totally possible. You just, it, we'll, we'll build there, right? That's amazing. So. I want to just go back and dig a little deeper into what you just said about how you picked these goals that maybe were unrealistic, but you had no idea and you just pulled numbers out of the air. You know, a lot of people do more the opposite where they, you know, pick numbers that are maybe too realistic and they're too easy. But when you pick a number that nobody told you it was impossible, you had no idea maybe it was a little bit fast for a first timer and you just went and did it because you weren't being held back by, again, preconceived ideas. So that's one of the benefits of being new to something. Your first race is always a PR. <laughs> and, and who says you can't run it in 15 minutes because you have nothing to compare to? I found I've often, when I go to new distances, um, that first time I actually do the best because I had no idea it was maybe a little bit audacious to go for a certain goal. And then after that, you kind of almost hold yourself back, right? So kudos to you. So maybe you can tell the, the story about how we met. Sure. So, uh, so I hadn't ran a half marathon at that point, And I had this fantastic idea that for my half marathon, what I should do is actually fly to Ottawa and do their commander's challenge, which is run a 5k race, followed by the half marathon. So in doing that training, uh, we had a bunch of guest speakers and Carolyn, you were one of those guest speakers. And Again, like fundamentally changed my view of running because you came in and you gave us this sink and faucet analogy to, to running. And when you told me that, that light bulb 
went off for me. And, you know, I pulled you aside and I missed my training run because you and I stood around and I think we chatted for half an hour while the rest of my group went out for their run. But I tried to pick your brain clean of running. And So what was the sink and faucet analogy? If you picture a sink, kitchen sink, picture a kitchen sink. When you turn on the tap in a sink, that's like uh, fatigue entering your system, but it's like exercise intensity. So this, the sink is always on a little bit, like when we're going about our daily life, digesting food, like walking around, like the, there's always a little drip coming out of the faucet. But then as you exercise, it's like you're turning up the faucet. So when you're doing like a easy jog, it's kind of on, you know, a little bit, but it's draining out the bottom of the sink just as fast. Like it's not really accumulating in the sink. Is this making sense? Mm-hmm. And so then as you, your exercise intensity increases and increases and increases, and then it's like on as far as possible, that would be like you sprinting, like after your dog that's running into traffic, let's say. So obviously that it's going to accumulate pretty fast there. So that's kind of the whole thing. So your, your overall fitness is basically the, you can have your, your sink on pretty high and not have your sink overflow. So, so with training, you get better at being able to tolerate like the sink, the faucet being on a little bit harder uh, before it overflows. So given that analogy, there's really only two variables that you can manipulate to improve your overall fitness. And so one of them is the, the size of the drain. And the other one is the depth of the sink. So if you have a bigger drain, obviously you can have your faucet on really high and it's drain. It's you know, delaying how long it would drain out compared to someone that had a really small drain. And then if you had a really shallow, shallow little sink, you're going to overflow sooner than someone that has a really deep sink. Again, is this making sense? Yeah, it makes complete sense to me. (laughs) And so in training, you're either working on the size of your drain or the, the depth of your sink, but you can't do them both at the same time because they require completely different approaches to the training. And so with Sean, I was saying, so the, the, the drain gets bigger when you do very slow, easy, like low intensity, comfortable mileage. And the seat sink gets deeper when you do high intensity hill sprints, uh, fast, short things like really high intensity, but short duration stuff. And so this, the drain is working your kind of aerobic system and the depth of the sink, it, gets worked um, when you do kind of speed and power. Could you also not talk about recovery too, as being the size of your drain? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. How how much sleep you're getting and how well you're eating and all that stuff helps you tolerate more load. Yeah. And, and most people train in a way that doesn't really make their drain any bigger and doesn't make their sink any deeper. So they just sort of get tired for the sake of getting tired. (laughs) And then they hungry when they come back because that medium intensity that's not really working the drain or not really working the depth of the sink like that's where that's what kind of feels good frankly so what that's what when you go out for a run and you're kind of breathing hard and the endorphins are buzzing and you feel like you've done something you come back and you're really proud of yourself and then you want to eat everything in sight as a reward like that's sort of that middle zone where I would say most of the people I've ever met who are runners, that's where they are. That's kind of where they land in that like medium intensity zone. And it really, from a training perspective, that's not the best way to go. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that is the other key point to all of that because 
that's exactly what I was doing, right? Like I was running, I was getting on a good sweat, heart rate was getting up pretty high. And it was like, okay, I that was a good workout. Like I, I felt like I worked out nice and hard. And after talking to you, it just sounded like this is not the paces. Now, that said, of course, in my training, they talk about having your slow run and everything like that. But there was nothing there that really tied it to again, that concept, that sink and drain thing was that light bulb thing that it's like, okay, I can picture that. And you articulate it in such a way that it's the, okay, so if I go too intense, I am not building either of these. To build the size of my sink, I got to do the really hard, fast stuff. And to, to build my drain, I have to do the really low intensity stuff. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't be in that middle zone. And sorry, the other key thing that you said, see, again, it was such a brilliant talk, Carolyn. You talked about that you're doing your slow days so that you can bring it on your hard days, Mm -hmm. so that your hard days are hard, that you can do them at the the intensity you have to do to build the size of your sink and to to get the benefit, Mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. And then your slower days are supposed to be slow. And it was just all of that. Like I say, it just, it was such a, an enlightening talk. I asked you right then, I was like, basically, will you train me? <laughs> yeah. well, you know what? You know what's so interesting I want to highlight about your story is that somebody that might be listening to this is like, yeah, but I went out and I did all medium stuff and I got better. And so did you, Sean. Like you went, when you first went out, uh, yeah. you were doing all those things, probably looking back like medium, because that's what you thought you had to do, because you wanted to get faster and you wanted to run further. So you kept running faster and further every time. Yeah. <laughs> um, that does actually work to a certain point. Anything works to a certain point. Like you were basically sure. a blank slate. So it doesn't matter what you do. You're probably going to get better. And I think yeah. that's where, uh, and I'm not saying anything is right or wrong, but I'm just saying people get very attached to what worked for them in the past. So they have a very hard time if they have gotten better to a certain point with this, yeah, but I'm running all medium intensity stuff. It's going to be very hard to hear that and go, you know, oh, maybe that could work. Because again, that's out of our control. That's new. That's foreign. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And so what what I find is missing, because I think the idea of a slow, easy run is there, no matter who's coaching you. I just don't think people understand how slow mm-hmm. and how. And so to be able to quantify it, I mean this, like, don't go any faster than this. Don't go to any of a higher heart rate than this. That gives you that data, that like objective side of it, which your brain I know really likes, right? So go, oh my goodness, like I can go this easy. I'm not even sweating. I don't even need a shower when I get back. I'm not even tired. I'm like, yes, that's the right intensity. Yeah. When you talked about that 180 minus age and I thought that, and I laughed because I was like, that I <laughs> exactly like I mean it was the I can't imagine the pace I would have to go to keep my heart rate that low because I was you know so for me that's 133 beats per minute and when I would go out for my runs if I was running easy I was high 140s mid 150s low 160s would be sort of what I would be normally running at Yep. And that's so common. Like, I, again, I hope that you never felt like judged or <laughs> anything no. like that because it, it's very, very, that's like a comfortable medium intensity effort. 
right? Yeah. For you to be in the 150s, to feel like you're doing something and getting a benefit. Um, yeah. So to hear like, oh, 133, like, I don't even think I can run for more than a minute at that pace. It's like, then you're going to be doing a lot of walking like that. You know, like that's just how the body works. It doesn't yeah. really care that in your mind, you'd rather be running continuously. Like your body just knows mechanical stress, right? Yeah. But yet in those low heart rate zones is when all the magic happens. And if you do it for long enough, pretty soon you find you're running much faster at said heart rate, right? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, well, let's get into that a little bit, because I know it, you, okay, and I just have to say, like, you were such a good sport, and you just, like, glommed onto this, and you're like, I'm I'm all in, I want to give this a serious go, like, I'll do what you say. So you're just so coachable, like, I want to thank you for that. Um, But you really did, like, you, you're like, plugged it into your watch, or or however you did it to to keep yourself in the right low intensity zone. And we did a full block of aerobic training, didn't we after your racing season was done that fall? You bet. Yeah, we uh, we started in November. And following the program, we had a of course, we had a goal race that I was going to run May 3rd was going to be a, another half marathon. And at that point, I had figured that I would be able to run a 145, I think was what mm. I was targeting. Yeah. So we did like a, a real serious, like dedicated aerobic base build because after you raced in in the spring, I think you did some half marathons and everything. Uh, we're like, okay, let's shut it down from the racing side of things so that we can build your aerobic system from the ground up so it was like i i did feel kind of bad i sent you program every week and it was like run easy run easy again run easy on monday he's like paying her for this (laughs) (laughs) you're all like what i paid for this (laughs) no it was good it was so tough there was lots of walking i couldn't get to my normal cadence or stride sort of relearn honestly it's relearning how to run you probably felt like you're talking me off a ledge every week because I'd be saying like, I mean, I am running so slow. You're training me to run, Carolyn, but I'm not running. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm walking. <laughs> well, just for context, let's, so we knew we know that you at that point could run a sub 50 minute 10K, so under five minute pace. Yeah. So before you met me, what would you have done your easy days at? like a five and a half minute K. Okay. So you're running 30, 30 seconds per kilometer slower than your 10 K pace on your everyday, supposedly easy runs. Yeah. And then when I started training with you, what were you running your easy days at? At the very beginning, I think some of my paces were like eight minutes. Yeah. (laughs) The odd day it was eight minutes, but it was more like a, like a seven and a half minute or 7.15, you know, like right in there was sort of like that typical, the the very beginning was a lot of that. It was shockingly slow. Like I just, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I'd be like, this is, this is crazy. And, and back to the drain and the sink and all that analogy, that just, all that means if the second you start running and your heart rate shoots up, it just means that your aerobic system isn't very well developed. And so that was sort of yes. the point of the training is like, okay, we're just going to get you out of that overtraining too much, uh, like get you some recovery and and make everything really easy and your aerobic system will catch up. But the, it's the mind, like the, where I come in as a coach and, and really like talk you off the ledge type of thing of like, no, 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 keep doing it. Like keep trying. And, and we found different ways, didn't we, to kind of measure progress in, in that time, Sean? How 
Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Honestly, it didn't take all that long. I, you know, I don't want people to think that it was months of running these crazy slow. It definitely over a few weeks that pace definitely started to come down. So I, you know, pretty soon was running consistently under seven minutes and being able to maintain uh, like a steady jog. So over, I'd say the first two months, uh, or not even, you know, six weeks, maybe I was able to start doing a, a nice steady jog, I was running higher six minute pace, and, you know, being able to keep my heart rate a lot steadier. For anyone listening that maybe want to give this a try, like it doesn't, the improvements actually come pretty fast, don't they? But it's, we have to get out of the mindset of measuring improvement by uh, just going out and running like, oh, I ran this day faster than the the last day, right? That's not the way to measure progress here. The way to measure progress is for a given heart rate in this case, or effort level or whatever pace, uh, I can go further, or I can go faster. And the other sort of part to that and again it sort of plays into that always looking for an improvement and and we touched on it earlier every day is different so some days it's a little icier out because we we started training it it was winter right so and we're in winnipeg so it's it's slippery and so one day i am maybe there's some fresh snow so there's a little bit more snow or i'm running into the wind or with the wind and i might be more bundled up right like all these things contribute to how i am as a runner and i mean these are things of course I've, you know, in the last year have sort of learned about running as time has gone and that I can look back and and I realize these things, definitely things that I didn't know at the beginning. But, you know, at one point I know uh, my pace got uh, got better and then it would uh, get worse for a while. And then you and I would talk. And again, you'd talk me off the ledge because I'm thinking all about pace. I'm still very much focused on on that aspect of my training. And you were again, giving me all these, all the rationale of, well, this is what's happening, Sean. It can't always be an improvement. I'm not every day is going to be faster. It could be I had a good night's sleep or I didn't, or, you know, maybe my diet was a little off or whatever, right? Like it's everything combines to, uh, to contribute to that performance. And so that was another, I guess, learning piece of, of all of this. I'm glad to hear you say that you were connecting those dots and those those light bulbs were going off as you were starting to monitor different things than just pace. It's like, wow, my pace can be so radically different when it's windy or snowy or whatever that you started to go, okay, well, why should I expect myself to go out and, and hit this pace target when it's a crappy day? That's the knowledge that you're gaining with, with that experience that I really love empowering people with, with ha- connecting those dots for themselves. Yeah. So uh, you ha- you and I had targeted a spring half marathon, right? Where you wanted to go sub 145, which in my estimation was completely realistic. Like I thought you could have blown 145 out of the water. I was so pumped for you to race the uh, WPS, the Winnipeg Police Service half marathon May 3rd. And then COVID hit. So tell us. Oh, COVID. <laughs> how did yeah. Mentally, emotionally, to your goal races, your A races being canceled this spring. Before even my goal race, uh, as a family, we were going to go to Disney in April. Like, we're big Star Wars fans. 
So they had uh, a Star Wars weekend and a bunch of races there. And so I was actually going to run the 5K, the 10K, and the half marathon in Disney in April. And again, not 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 in a competitive way, but just to to run them. I told Carolyn, I you know I'd run the half marathon as just a, a nice slow training day. But uh, of course, COVID hit, and so that you know that that pulled that first rug out from from under us. You know, and we didn't know what was going to happen. And then, of course, and then everything, everything started getting canceled, right? So WPS, so here it is. I've, I've been now training for three months, four months, I guess. And you had a solid training cycle. I have to say, I think I was more upset than you were. You took it like a champ. I'm like, <laughs> even excited. wow, I'm like so excited for you to race. Um, but so, but were you like, were you upset? I was. I was pretty upset, but again, the, what can I do? Right. Like, uh, it was the right thing to do, obviously, but yeah, just that disappointment, like oh. disappointment. And so, and, and of course you came up with a, a great solution. You're like, well, okay, why don't we, why don't we turn this into an opportunity? Because we don't, we don't have a lot of these, right. You sort of gave me the option that I could, I could take the time off and we could just you know, I could just go into sort of stasis mode and just do whatever. And then we could we could retry the uh, half marathon training and, and gear up for hopefully a, a fall race. And or what we could do is we had enough time that we could actually do a, uh, a speed work session um, in that time and then still do the half marathon training in, in the fall. And so I was like, well, yeah, why not? Like, uh, we we figured that uh, um, it would it would help me, you know, get uh, get some speed, get you know, get some strength, maybe. Um, and so yeah, it was just again the sure, why not? Like, let's 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 give this a try. I mean, um, I I like the idea of being able to to run faster. Um, and I guess that's one thing that uh, we, we didn't talk about is, um, Carolyn, before you and I started training, you took me out on a, a 5K time trial. Oh, yeah. That was like right after we met, right after yeah. the running room talk. Yeah. I was like, what? you? Because I asked you, I said, what's your fastest 5K? And you're like, well, 27 minutes. But yet here you're telling me you, you run a 49-something 10K. And I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> like, yeah. You can definitely run faster than a 27-minute 5K. Let's just go out and do it. So so yeah. I, you came over to my house and we like did a little warm-up. We, we went on like a little warm-up. And I, I remember thinking that, this is this is a pretty long warm up. You know, thinking that we're we're going to to run a five k. I expected that we were going to, you know, maybe run for five minutes, and I I think we ran for twenty minutes or something like that before. And then you then you had me do all these drills. It was uh, a bunch of lunges and strides and great vines and just. Yeah, but we did a 5K. Like I ran along beside you in the 5K. And what did you do? Do you remember? Yeah, you uh, you got me across the line in 23 minutes. Wow. Oh that was so fun. Because I don't think you you realized that you could do that, right? That you sort of... No. Like, oh, oh, no. Like, and, and I have to say that, again, one of the things that, you know, sorry, I guess endeared me to you uh, as my trainer is that you pushed me to that because... I had never pushed myself 
so hard in in running right and again sort of that idea of the wow okay i i can do it i i still don't know <laughs> you know if i would have ever been able to hit that time without you there because uh like i say i had never i had never pushed so hard before and it's definitely one of the skills that uh that you've you've taught me and it's st still one of the hardest things i i struggle with as as a runner now is just that mental fortitude to push hard um yeah. and it comes it just comes with practice it comes with repetition yeah. like you just have to do it and do it and do it and realize like okay i kind of went to the well there or, or was with discomfort longer two steps longer than i you know thought i could or whatever and that built yeah. that confidence over time, but I was running alongside you and I knew you're fully capable of doing it. Like I can gauge how like somebody's effort level when I'm running beside them. And I'm like, oh yeah. And, and nothing feels better than coming across that line, knowing that you gave it everything you've got. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, I don't think I've ever been so sore after a run. I think for a week after, I was struggling to run. <laughs> like it, but again, I, I knew, I knew that I did it right. Like it, it, it it was a solid effort. Oh my gosh. So that was last August, August of 2019. So you run a 23 minute 5K. Now yeah. it's spring of 2020. COVID hits, everything's canceled. So we had this golden opportunity once we dealt with our disappointment, <laughs> disappointment and everything. We've got this golden opportunity to, to focus on speed for a good like eight to 10 weeks, right? So yeah. we, we do that and we start to play around with some fun, fast, short workouts, right? Yep. And then I had you do a couple of time trials, right? Like I wanted you to have that racing experience. So we did two 3K time trials and two 5K time trials. So do you want to talk about those? Those are super fun. I keep saying like that, that, that mental aspect, you know, a few days before the, these time trials, you'd have me doing that pace, but it would just be, you know, run it for a minute. And I remember running those and, and thinking, how the heck am I going to run 3K at this pace when I'm doing my training run? You know, and I'm only running for a couple of minutes at that time, but I get get to race day and I've had the proper sort of a little bit of a taper or whatever uh, that's sort of programmed into it. And uh, the 3K, I ended up running that one in 12 minutes, 44 seconds. Yep. And then two weeks later, you had had me run again, and I, I I remember the anxiety of the, oh God, I can't be any slower. Like I I just like I I can't send Carolyn the email that said I didn't hit the target. Of course, and, you can be slower as long as you tried your best on that day. Right. I, I but and it's so tough though. It is so tough. Still, again, like. It, to, to keep that in in mind and so and, and that's definitely how I try to go into the to the race right like it just it, it it doesn't matter just know that you can that you've pushed hard right and so I did it I ended up beating my time again I ended up doing that one in a 12 minute 22 seconds Ooh, you 22 20 seconds, seconds faster Yes. Yeah. Yes. In a three K. So seven seconds per kilometer yeah. faster, two weeks later. Yeah. I can't even verbalize how awesome it felt to like hit those targets and everything like that. And again, it's the, 
knowing that sort of everything had to come together on the day to to hit it right because you know it was all again good temperatures i felt good i you know felt like i sort of got my nutrition right i slept okay and uh everything kind of it kind of all gelled right yeah and and let's just highlight also the fact that you were out there by yourself right you didn't have like a cheering squad you obviously didn't have any like competitors so in in my mind as a coach i'm thinking oh yeah and if you were in a real race that would probably be even faster so then later i had to do a 5k right yeah the training felt really hard and i i was definitely nervous going into the race wondering if i could if i could actually do it but again i i was just sort of buckled down and and that one i did in a 21 minutes and 20 seconds 20 so, 20 like 10 months prior to that he'd run a 23 so now he's 21 20 and then two weeks later what two weeks later i shaved almost another 30 seconds off i got 20 minutes and 51 seconds that's incredible yeah. so in 10 months you brought your 5k down two minutes and nine seconds two yeah. minutes and nine seconds like this is incredible and again like because you committed fully to the training even though it didn't, it maybe didn't make total sense or you didn't have complete confidence in it, you committed to something. And I think that's the theme of this episode, really, is that you commit to something, you're an action taker, you do it, you follow through, you get the feedback, and then you adjust. It's amazing. My, my thought is, like, what's there to lose? Worst case scenario is maybe I wouldn't get any faster, but the upside was so much more potential, yeah, right? Yeah, good point. You did a little cost-benefit analysis. Right. So, Sean, we've often said that running is a metaphor for life, right? So can you kind of talk to us a bit about exactly what you just talked about there and how maybe you've related that to your life and possibly what life lessons you've gained from running since you started? I think it relates to everything in, in my personal life and my in my professional life is the course correction the the idea that no matter how well we plan how well we train the effort we put into things there's always going to be something that's going to throw us off course and you have to be able to adapt in some way and that's not meaning that you can't be affected by things like that things won't upset you or that things won't you know, derail you in some way. But the idea that um, you can't just sort of give up or, or you know, throw in the towel because things are, are, are not going the way as planned. Uh, not everything is going to be easy. And, you know, and, and that's part of the training. And, and Carolyn always has these nuggets of, uh, of wisdom that, that she passes on. And, um, you know, things like in the training, I remember thinking that at some point this should be easy. Carolyn, you told me the, but this is how it's supposed mm -hmm. to feel. Yeah. And, and, and again, that, that light bulb moment of, okay, do you know what? I can get behind that statement, you know, like, yeah, this is tough. Like this is hard. And if I didn't feel like this, then that means I am not putting in the effort. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because if you say, 
oh, this doesn't hurt that much or whatever. It like maybe there's a part of you, and, and, and like you say, there's a place for that. There's a place for all of this advice. But at yeah. that point, when you're, you know, six minutes into an eight minute tempo session or something like that, you're like, yeah. part of your brain's going, no, 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 like this does hurt, you know? So a, a more true thing that seemed to resonate better with you is it's supposed to feel this way. Yes. I think we all intuitively know when you're pushing yourself hard enough that you're hurting yourself, right? You know, if you're lifting weights or things, there's a point where it's like, like, this is tough. And then there's a point where, no, I'm going to, like, I'm doing damage. But when you're in these runs and it's the, yeah, like, this is tough, but this is, this is properly tough. Like, this is, this is, this is the proper amount of effort, I guess. Yeah. yeah. yeah, and so much of of running is learning to gauge like run by feel. So it's yeah. great that you have the data and and it's even better when the data can sort of just confirm what you're already feeling. Like you know, you're saying, "Okay, uh, this is tough for me. I feel like I'm running X pace." And you look down at the data and you're like, "Yep, that's what I'm doing." You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. So what would you you you've talked a lot probably the aerobic training piece was like a big change when we started working together but I I do know that it is a bit of a leap for some people to to get there in terms of just trusting that this slow is going to turn me into a faster runner so what would you tell someone who who might be listening who's afraid to do aerobic training because they're you know a half or full marathoner I guess it just sort of would reiterate that point of the what have you got to lose it's such a low risk for such a big gain. Yeah. It doesn't take a huge amount of commitment to to start seeing some of that benefit. Yeah. It, well, and I think that the time of year that you did it last year, that's my favorite time of the year to do it. So after the fall racing season is done, that might be mid to end October or something around there, maybe early November, you, you take an end of the season break, like you just take two weeks off, you start paying attention to all the things you've been ignoring or neglecting in your life, you know, give family members and <laughs> that messy garage or whatever, some of your attention. And then after two weeks, you go back at it and you just dedicate a chunk of time, like November, December, January, like you dedicate a couple months to this aerobic training. And like you say, it's, it improves pretty quickly. And especially when you have a way to measure that progress. So, Sean, what's next for you? I know you've had another disappointment with fall races here, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I I really only wanted to to race like a real race, a certified distance. I want to know, you know. I guess this is where because I know I can go out on my training runs and I can do a virtual race, but I really wanted the the race experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been such a bummer, like such a um, such a bizarre year, right? For for races, and you've had so many of your races, even uh, WFPS last October. We had that giant snowstorm, and then it got canceled. Like we've just been dealing with canceled races or races turning virtual, uh, which which is great, and it's amazing to have that. But it's not the same. You don't get the same kind of excitement and energy from virtual race that you do from that live race experience. So I don't, I don't blame you for, <laughs> for not feeling super excited about another virtual, but um, the, the fitness is there and it will be expressed someday that I can promise you. 
We have a few kind of end of the podcast questions that we do, just five questions that we do rapid fire. Are you ready to go with those? Sure. Yeah. We'll give it a shot. Do you have a favorite mantra? Yeah. And probably spoiled already, but it's the, it's supposed to feel like this. Or, or I guess it's, this is how it's supposed to feel, whichever, whichever one they both fit. I, I love that one. Mm-hmm. If you could teleport to anywhere in the world to run right now, where would it be? Uh, I would say uh, Greece. If I could uh, go there to just run, again, just a nice casual run uh, around by the sea, I think that would be amazing. That sounds awesome. Do you have any races on your bucket list? At some point, I want to be able to qualify to run a Boston Marathon. So I've never, I've never ran a full marathon, but it's something that I'd love to say that I could qualify for and run uh, one day. But also, I, I would really love to do just a, purely fun. I'd love to do uh, one of those Disney Challenge runs just for fun because I. From what I've seen, they just, they look like they'd be a really unique experience, I guess. Definitely. Awesome. Okay, here's the next one. What is your favorite running book or podcast? I really liked Born to Run. Classic. Yeah, Born to Run, I think, was uh, that. And I guess uh, another one would be uh, Injure. Both of those, uh, again, really quite... They they just they both really spoke to me in terms of uh, running. Yeah, those are great books. And finally, do you have a favorite post run indulgence? Yeah, um, not all the time, but uh, every now and then, I like after my Saturday morning long run, um, pancakes and maple syrup, um, or <laughs> peanut butter toast. I don't often eat a whole lot of bread-like product, and those are my, I don't know, comfort food, just, yeah. You have been such a, so fun to coach. Sean, I just, again, want to say how much of an honor and a, and a privilege it's been, because you really have been so coachable, like I mentioned, and it's just been amazing to share in your um success as a runner it's like really really fun for me to see my see my athletes improve and and go to places and achieve things that they really didn't think were possible so thank you for that it's been great talking with you sean you have a great story and i want to say thank you so much for sharing it with us thanks for asking me to be here 